Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Simon, who would be a prophet in this business? <laughs> Yesterday, we said England had no chance of winning. Well, I did. You were kind of fairly fence-sitting, but you also thought England had very little chance of winning. That was the one least likely result, let's say. And suddenly, they coasted to victory with a six-wicket uh, triumph to win the series 2-0 and finish it in four days. <laughs> Oh. I, I, I mean, remarkable performance today, actually. Fantastic by England, I thought. Yeah, it, it is. I'm, I'm amazed that they won inside four days. I didn't rule them out completely from winning the match, but I thought it'd be really difficult from the situation they were in. What I said yesterday, I think, was England probably holding on for a draw in the final session of the match. But there we go. Predictions confound us all, don't they? And today, it was, it was fairly straightforward. I, what I would say is that Sri Lanka's batting today was really poor. Basically, they ended the series as they started it with a really poor batting display. And it's some, some of it's sort of inexplicable, really. Again, it's, it's another situation where another 60 or 70 runs, and they'd have been right in this game. And Embledenia showed the way, and, and so did Lackmal. You know, down at 9 and 10, it, they showed what was possible against England spinners. But anyway, they frittered it away, and they've lost the series. And frankly, an ignominious defeat for Sri Lanka. And, you know, very well played for England. Very professional performance. And uh, a lovely shot of Joe Root holding up the Moose <laughs> Trophy as well. D- describe it for us. Well, it's uh, it's a big trophy and it's got moose antlers on it. And it's a, it's a clothing company in Sri Lanka who, who sponsor the, the Test Series. It's called the Moose Cup and England have won it. And there are a couple of pictures. One, one with uh, the Moose Cup behind Joe Root's head. So it looks as though Root has got antlers and one with him just sort of holding up the, the trophy. I mean, who wants the ashes when you can win the Moose Cup? I want, I'm surprised he's got the strength to, to lift it, actually, after the, the commitment he's put in. No uh, 
no uh, issue about who is man of the series. A remarkable performance. And the, the Sky TV actually had up um, the leading run scorers in series in Sri Lanka. Uh, Brian Lara, by far and away, the most, with over 600 runs in a three-test series. But this, for a two-test series, Root getting around 400 runs is, a, a, you know, a tremendous performance, actually. I mean, a remarkable performance. Uh, I think the best ever performance by an England batsman against spin in the subcontinent. I've never seen anything better. And it not only did he his weight of runs uh, have a huge impact on the outcome, but I think also it sort of transmitted this message to the, the rest of the England players that you can bat on this pitch and this is how to do it. And England today chasing that tricky score of 160, which you thought, well, will they get there? The learnings from some of the other England players, you could see them learning almost by the day. Someone like Dominic Sibley, who looked clueless against the left-arm spin in the, in the first couple of innings, today, 50 not out, saw England home to victory, and just some subtle changes of his method, which he no doubt gleaned from watching Root bat, have made all the difference. He finished 56 not out. And he hit the winning run as well. And there's nothing a batsman likes more than a century or whatever, than a, than a nice not out at the end of a game. So a, re- a really satisfying day for Dom Sibley and you know, able to take some confidence forward into the India series where he will be tested even more, far more than he was in this series. But, it, you know, it has been a struggle for him. The one thing I would say is he did have some luck today. He survived three umpires called LBW. Okay, you get the benefit of the doubt and you always used to, of course, didn't you? But now with the technology, we see how close it is. We get that prediction that's going to go on and clip the bales. So one of those had gone against him, then it wouldn't have been such a good day. But there was a a sort of calmness and assurance about the way he played from the the start of his innings. You know, it could have ended at but you know, with any of those three LBW shouts, but you know, ifs, buts, maybes, you know, they don't come into it, do they? In the end, ultimately, it's what it says in the scorebook. So, you know, a degree of success for Sibley, and now, of course, the challenge is going to be whether he can build on that in India, where, as you as you said uh, this week during the podcast, you, know, you expect there to be more pace bowled by India because, well, they've got this you know very strong pace bowling attack now, and they will use that against him as well as the the spin attack. But you know, at least something to take with you. I can just imagine what it must have been like for him in his hotel room the other evening after another failure. You know, really not easy. You know, you're thinking about it the whole time, aren't you, as a batsman? It's not like you bowlers who get chance after chance after chance after being whacked into the trees or hit into the Curranegula rock, as we were talking about the other day. Uh, you know, you, you only get that one chance and you're on your way. So good good for him. So, you know, so it, it, it's, it's there now, isn't it? It, it? It's in the bank and he's got the confidence of an innings behind him. I think it's massive for him, actually. And I'll say that for, for two reasons. You know, one... The mental demands on a player that that to 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 know that you've got to be able to change one or two things. That's the first thing. Do I twist or do I stick? And he decided he had to twist. And then how do you twist? What do you change? And just little things he's changed. He's just changed his alignment slightly against the left arm spinner. The thing we were talking about a couple of days ago, defending the left arm spinner more towards mid-off, keeping your left shoulder in line just a fraction longer rather than being tempted to play across the ball with the, the, the angle of it. Uh, to work it into the leg side, his favourite leg side. He resisted that. He's changed the, the way he plays. Uh, and 
still was able to to ride the the spin of the right arm off spinner to knock that into the leg side. So, you know, adapting his game, uh, his defensive game, having the confidence as well to to to, to trust his defence, to stay in, not to to get too uh, panicky, as undoubtedly the Sri Lankan batsman did. I mean, that was a woeful performance by Sri Lanka with the bat. And actually, I also thought they were appalling with the ball as well, not necessarily in how they bowl, but in the field settings yeah, and things. Totally. I mean, we had Graham Gooch, uh, mm. you know, Graham Gooch talking about batting against spin the other day uh, on the virtual cricket cup. And, you know, we have him again today, actually, uh, another little extract of him talking about the art of batting in different circumstances and piling up big scores and so on. We, that's coming up in the second half of this show. But one of the things he says is, don't just let the batsman off. Mm. Why, why did they have a long on to Dominic Sibley, who never looks to hit the ball over the top or very rarely? You know, why did they have a long on to anyone, actually, in that situation with 160 required, with the ball turning square? You want batsmen to charge up the wicket and try and hit it over the top. So as soon as you've got the men back, or men back on the cover boundary as well, that's just setting... That's just over-defensive. So, you know, the Sri Lankans really played into England's hands. They also, I thought, the the off-spinners should have tried more round the wicket as well. They just bowled over the wicket all the time. So, in a way, you know, what Sri Lanka's performance today goes back to, as you said, the start of the series where they started so so appallingly, but I think also showed the difference in sophistication in their preparation, in their thinking as well. This is where England do have an advantage. They have, you know, a lot of people with experience on the coaching side just feeding in valuable bits of information. Someone like Paul Collingwood, you can't underestimate his you know, he made the most of his ability and he made the most of his ability by shrewd batting in certain situations by manipulating fields and and so on. Of course, Joe Root is a master of that himself. And England benefited from that knowledge, that understanding of the game, which in Sri Lanka's case, they just look naive. Yeah, I, I totally agree about the field settings. It, it just lets the batsman off. What Dominic Sibley wants is he wants the one. And it was so often on offer. And it, it does make it easier for the batsman. You, you know, it's not all about playing big shots. And England do, I mean, someone like Josh Butler, you know, likes to play a few shots and actually, you know, hit the ball really well today and played superbly. I mean, when England were in a difficult situation, 89 for four, he strode out and scored a, you know, basically a runner ball 46 to take the pressure off Sibley. So yeah, squeeze Dom Sibley. That's what you really got to do. Anyway, Sri Lanka, I mean, Sri Lanka did that throughout the series as well. And you just felt there were too many easy runs on offer, too easy just to, to tick the board over, to rotate the strike, which is exactly what you want to do. I mean, I, I can't imagine uh, India will do uh, something similar. Uh, teams, sometimes you see with teams like Sri Lanka, they like to sort of sit in really and sort of test your patience. And if the ball's spinning, you know, if you are just scoring in, in singles, you know, that, that feeling that these days people want to hit fours. Perhaps it's their own feeling. You know, how about when, when they're batting? Perhaps they like to hit a lot of fours. So they feel that if a batsman's not hitting fours, you get frustrated. And there were lots of attempts today by the Sri Lankans to, to belt it. And you know, lots of them are out to attacking shots and, and succumbing. Uh, it, it, I mean, you look at the England spinners today, Bess and Leach, both took four wickets. In a way, not that they won't, you know, that they didn't, they didn't bowl badly, but it was, it was made a bit too easy for them. So, again, a good wicket haul for both of them in this series overall. 
but as we all know, the, the test is going to come in India against them. Uh, you know, an, an, another notch or two or even three up from some of the Sri Lanka batting today. And when Matthews was out on the sweep, 37 before, I thought, aye, aye, this, you know, this, is, this could be a calamitous day for Sri Lanka here. And, and, and so it proved. You mentioned Joss Butler there. I'm, I'm really pleased for him, actually, as well, because, you know, going back actually to the World Cup final in 2019, he was furious about the way he got out just before uh, the, the victory was achieved. And obviously one of the reasons that it then went to a super over. And then there was that run chase against the Pakistanis as well when he got out and Chris Wokes, you know, soaring into victory. And, it, you know, so that's something that sort of nagged away at him a bit, actually. He wants to be there at the end to see the, the team home. And, and he was today. And also just a, a, another little bit of praise for his the brilliance of his stroke play. I mean, there was a four he hit just before England won. A sweep, a slog sweep, all along the ground, through mid-wicket for four, uh, against the spin. The brilliance of, 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 the, of, his sh- of that shot, and then followed up by an almost immaculate reverse sweep, where a ball of a similar line from a different bowler was hit in the opposite direction, all along the ground again. And... We're we're witnessing here, along with Joe Root as well, and actually Johnny Bairstow, we're witnessing here the the batsmanship of the highest skill that England haven't really had before. I mean, maybe Peterson occasionally produced stuff like that. But these guys, it's as good as anything in the world. The, The skill levels they're showing against spin is just something to behold and just great for the, the confidence going into India. And, you know, will they have more challenges than they faced here in Sri Lanka against the Indian spinners? I mean, the Indian spinners will be a bit more consistent. I don't think they'll be as dangerous as Embuldenia was. I think he's exceptional. The, the amount of spin he was getting, and I don't think the pitches in India will turn quite as liberally as the goal pitch has on this last couple of days. So the challenge for England isn't going to be with the bat. The challenge for England is going yeah. to be with the ball. Yeah, that's, that's... And they take 20 wickets. And, and you know, Leach and Bess, yes, they got four for each here today. They won't get wickets as easily as that in, in, in India. And yeah. that's my worry for the series, is not England's ability with the bat against spin. Sibley has shown some development and improvement Crawley, I'm sh- I'm sure will too. They've got Stokes to come back, Butler and and Root obviously, and others. Their batting should be pretty good. It, it's the bowling I worry about. Yeah, I I, mean, I totally agree. It's it, it's it's what 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 will happen in India? You think is is going to is going to be scoreboard pressure? So they're going to be facing much bigger scores. Okay, fair enough. In this match, Sharanka made three eight one in the first innings, and they lost the game. So I mean, that's a bit of scoreboard pressure there that England had to deal with. But you know, the last time England played in Madras, you mentioned it before, they made four hundred and seventy seven in their first innings. India responded with 750. You know, take that scoreboard pressure and also all those hours in the field as well. You talk about England batting in India. Of course, they have got this situation where Bairstow's going home now, so he misses the first two test matches in India. Butler, I understand, is only going to play the first test match in India. That's how it is at the moment anyway. And then he's going to go home and miss the next three. So, you know, potentially they've got this situation where... uh, 
two of those, both of those, Butler and Bairstow, won't be playing in the in the second test match. Burns, of course, comes back. They've got Ben Stokes to come back, uh, two left-handers. And who knows what's happening with Ollie Pope. Basically, he's in the squad once he gets fit. So we don't quite know when he's going to play. They want to get him in the side at, at some point. So they, they have got some issues there uh, with the batting. But Sri Lanka, job done, really. You you, you can't ask any more. They've, they've lost a toss twice. Uh, Sri Lanka batted first twice and England have, have, have chased down totals twice, albeit only 74 in the first test and 164 in this game, albeit today on a, on a fourth day pitch rather than a, a fifth day pitch. But uh, they've done about as much as they possibly could. When you can think of the preparation that they didn't have, then uh, this is a sort of hugely successful uh, mini tour for them. But you, you have to think about the, the, the standard of opposition. Sri Lanka challenged challenge them, didn't they, in the middle part of the series, uh, latter end of the last game and the first part of this game. They just didn't have enough, really. They, uh, there just wasn't that belief. I think sometimes when you're a, a, a really strong test team, you have that confidence you can win from a certain situation. I don't think Sri Lanka have got that, and they certainly didn't have it in this test series. In, in a way, it was a bit too easy to sort of knock them off the ball, if you like. Uh, it was It was a bit like, you know... In, in football terms, it was a bit like a sort of 28-year-old knocking a 19-year-old off the ball. Well, undoubtedly, the success was a triumph for Joe Root, both as batsman and captain. Uh, so let's just hear what he thought of it all. We had a lot of things out of our favour, if you like. We, we, we lost the toss in both games um, and we managed to find a way in very difficult conditions um, with very little lead up to the series as well. So for us to, in the past, I think we've we've been guilty of being slow starters, um, whether it be home or away. So for us to start as well as that was really pleasing, but also to to keep growing as a team and, and improving throughout the two games was, I think, quite impressive. From this week was for a large proportion of it, we were behind behind the game and we were chasing the game, but for us to stick in, First thing is to hold the game for as long as we did and make it very difficult for them to get away from us was very impressive. And for a seamers to be as effective as they were on that wicket um, shows the improvement of taking taking wickets abroad, something that we've struggled with in the past. Um, and then more than anything, the way that we've dealt with pressure today, um, both in the field and and with the bat, you know, in the field to have that expectation for, for our spinners to, to go and win as the game goes, get us... Uh, restrict them to a total that we could we could chase down. Um, for guys with very little cricket behind them to, to take that on themselves and to to do it was was a brilliant effort. And then for our batters to stay as calm and poised as they did was was really something that partnership towards the end there was really impressive. Um, probably one of the hardest things to manage in this part of the world. And, and that old adage of you know, first for show, second for dough, I think it really came through those two guys. Um, you know, seeing his home was, very impressive partnership. We know we've got we've got so far to go still uh, to get where we want to. We've got very uh, a lot of young players as well that are learning all the time that have been exposed to these conditions for the first time at this level. And uh, I think we've just got to keep looking to build, keep looking to improve, take as much experience from this series as we can, and keep looking to get better all the time. And that's that's all you can ask of, of a group of players that you know are in a position they've never been before. Um, you, you do need your senior players to stand up and take ownership. And we, we've had some, some guys do that in, in these two games, but we're going to need 
everyone to keep looking to improve. We're going to have different challenges, different surfaces, different situations to manage well in, in India. Um, so it's about reacting to that and, again, having that same attitude, that same character and desire to go on and win like we have here. Well, great work by Joe Root and the England team to pull off that victory in Gaul, and that'll put them in fantastic heart now for the more challenging section of the winter four tests in India, the first one of which is on the 5th of February in Chennai. And we'll be doing a podcast after every day of that series. So now let's hear from Graham Gooch, who, as we said, was our guest in the Virtual Cricket Club last week. And We've had some extracts from that interview already. Uh, This one features, firstly, Graham talking about making the third highest score ever by an England batsman, his famous 333 against India at Lords in 1990, and how he then went on to score 123 in the second inning. So there's an essence of Joe Root there about his dominance in that three-match series against India. But he also talks in this conversation about when and where to play the reverse sweep and also how to apply pressure in spin conditions for a bowling attack and generally about shot selection and about batting in spin-friendly conditions. But he starts off by explaining what his motivation was for making that 333 against India. Against Kent once in 1988, he got 275 and gave it away. So so when I got close to 300, I was determined, obviously, to get over that milestone. And then it was after tea on the second day. So my only thought was then to try and get as many as we you know, get, could, as quickly as we could, to declare. It's only when he mentioned it back in the dressing room that I even gave it a thought to the 365. On reflection, maybe, maybe a little bit more selfish, I, I should have gone on or tried to go on, but I, I was just interested in, you know, declaring on 650-odd or whatever it was. Of course, you were captain as well, yeah, so you had to add other things on your mind, but it, it proves that uh, captaincy doesn't affect your batting necessarily, I suppose, because you've got I, 460 runs in the game. I, I see, I'm not a subscriber to this view of captaincy um, brings pressure on, on a player because I think you have to treat it as an honour and a responsibility and you get the chance to shape your team and play the cricket or your sport in your image, if you like, and how, how you want the game to go and, and what sort of style you want to play, whether it's ultra attacking. And when you walk on the field, every thought should go towards winning the game. That's how I was brought up, you know, under Keith Fletcher at Essex. We always tried to win. We never let the game drift if we could. If you remember, if you can remember back 31, 30 and a half years ago, we were trying to bowl India out, okay, before the follow-on, so we could make them follow-on, okay. And I thought I'd caught Kapil Dev. Well, I did catch Kapil Dev at second slip. No cameras, no DRS and all that sort of stuff. No replays in those days. Caught him fair, fair catch, hands on the ground, went straight in off a Gus Fraser, I think. He stood there, asked the umpire, who was Nigel Plews at the standing end, Dickie Bird was at the square leg. Nigel walked over to Dickie Bird and said, did that carry Dickie or something, words to that effect? And Dickie just looked at him and said, Nigel, he said, I cannot help you. So he had to give it not out. Capil, as you well remember, there was a building site like it is now at the uh, Compton and Edrich ends hit Eddie Hemmings for four consecutive sixes over towards the clock tower, various lengths, far and very far, 
Eddie kept tossing it up, trying to buy his wicket and he kept going further and further. The very first ball we bowled at Hawani after they saved the follow-on by one run, we got him out LBW. So when I went back to the dressing room, I was spitting feathers, I can tell you, because I wanted them to follow on. Obviously, it worked out all right in the end for us and we won the game and it, it worked out well for me. I was a man with a mission when I went back in in the second innings. Why were you so keen to enforce the follow-on? It's actually sort of gone out of fashion, hasn't it, the follow-on these, these days? Why was it such a big thing then when it's not so much now? Um, I think it depends on the game and the pitch. I think there was quite a bit of time to go in the game. So we, we thought you have to think that's the best way of winning the game. I agree with you. When I was coaching with England, you know, seven or eight years ago, that was the last thing they were thinking of following on. No one ever wanted to enforce the follow-on, not unless you bowled them out really cheaply and your bowlers, your, your pace bowlers had not got many overs in their legs. But they always wanted to go on, get a bigger score and put pressure on in the second innings. Um, you're right, it's, it's gone out of fashion. It's a bit like a bat pad, isn't it? Nobody has a bat pad, really, until a catch goes there, Simon, both Simons. A catch goes there, then they bring someone in. My plan would be to try and play the ball with the inside of the bat and the outside of the pad. Does, does that make sense to you? So I'd present a wider barrier and try and hit the ball on the inside uh, half of the bat. I'm afraid nowadays you, you could not play that way with the, with the DRS. You, a lot of players have to play in front of their pad. But it can be done with success because if you look at Alistair Cook and all the runs he scored, he tries to narrow the gap between where the ball pitches and where he puts his bat. So when he plays spin, he puts his bat right out in front of his pad. Mm. The toe of the bat's on the ground. So he's trying to narrow the distance between where the ball pitches and the bat. That's his way of doing it. But, you know, there's all there's all different ways. And what, what I, I remember playing against Shane Warne. He'd never had a massive attacking field when he started. He normally had a slip and a bat pad. Always have a 45 to say and a deep square to say, if you want to sweep, you're taking a chance of a top edge. And he would always rotate his back pad, put him onto the offside, bring him back over. And only if he was really on top a lot of the time would he have two men in front. And mm -hmm. I, I think that art of that skill is left the game. And, and while I've got another stone in my shoe while we're talking this about this, actually, even in the last test, which we won, which was a brilliant game, why do both sides keep giving singles on the offside? I just don't understand. What, with a man back at cup, deep cover? Absolutely, because, you know, if you're a batsman in on the wicket like that, which is turning, there's wicket-taking balls going around, you're only setting that man back on the offside to, you know, for the bad ball, the short ball, you lay back and cut it. You bring mm. him up and you create that pressure of no singles, and that's mm. what the spinner wants. He wants the bowler set a six. You're, you're absolutely right, actually, because, of course, what, what, what coaches always say to batsmen about playing spin is rotate the strike. You've got to rotate the strike. Don't get stuck. And that makes it so much easier if you've got the men back. Absolutely. They also have the mid on and mid off halfway back half well, the time. It, it, just well. takes the, it just takes the pressure off, Simon. Yeah. Now, when you yeah. come in and you've got a ring of four fielders on the offside, so you know you've either got to take a risk or you, you, it's going to be a bad ball to get the ball through the field. It creates the pressure. The more... You know, more pressure, more wickets. We all know that. I mean, it was mentioned on TMS. Tuffer's mentioned it, and he's quite right. If the captain put a man back at deep square on the offside straight away, he'd be saying, what's the matter? Don't you back me? Don't you believe I can bowl a length? You know, mm. why are yeah. you setting a field for a bad ball? 
you know, now players, because of white ball cricket, really, players are encouraged to play, you know, adventurous shots. Mm. And there is no sort of blame attached if you play a sort of outrageous shot most of the time anyway. Did, have you seen a progression in your own career from the days when you started of this, you know, licence being a, a greater licence for players to, 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 to be themselves, if you like, whereas compared to when you started, was it more regimented and if you played a bad shot you got a you know you got a bollocking basically yeah yeah I, I think I think with the senior players yeah if, if you if you took a wrong option which was not uh which was not a good percentage op- option then you might get a bit of a rocket I mean going back to the high risk and low risk I don't mind players going for high risk as long as there's high value no point in playing a high risk shot like a massive reverse lap sweep or whatever if they've got a man back there what is the point in playing a high-risk shot if you only get one for it? You know, just knock it down to long off or long on or whatever. So it's got to be high value if, if it's high risk. I, and they have so many more shots now: the the, the reverse sweep, the reverse lap, the switch hit. Did you that. ever play? Did you ever play a reverse sweep? Yeah, yeah, I, I watched Jarvis Meander. But of course, in our day, the reverse sweep was more of the nudge to like slip. Do you know what I mean? You would just nudge it. A paddle. Uh, and it, it, it would go down where slip or second slip was and run away for four because they wouldn't be having anyone that fine. It wasn't a full-blooded, mm. you know, hit for four. Smash or over six. deep cover. Yeah. No, I mean, it's obviously progressed since then. All I would say about that, I have no problem about that shot. If you're good at it, do it. If you're not very good at it, don't do it because it looks sexy and, and looks good. You've got to be good at playing it. And... You know, at the end of the day, I'll be really old fashioned. OK, give me someone who plants it straight back over the bowler's head into the stand any day. And I'll tell you why, because it scares the living daylights out of most bowlers. Chris Gale, then, would be your number one. No bowler likes to see the ball go straight back over his head. OK, and I, and I was there in that World Cup. I can't think when it was 2012 in India. When, when, when Kevin O'Brien kept smashing us yeah. over square leg, and I think our bowlers, you know, great bowlers that they were, were reluctant to pitch the ball up a bit, right? Because they, no bowler in white ball cricket where the ball goes gun barrel straight now, none of them like pitching it up because they don't want to go straight back over their head. So they go for the drag down, the slower mm-hmm. bouncer, because they think it's a better, you know, a better percentage. Uh, well, and less and, dangerous. Well, you've got to be able to, in one day cricket, whether it's 50 overs, T20, you've got to have the Yorker in your bag, haven't you? You've got mm. to be able to play yeah. a good Yorker because any batsman, the greatest Kevin Peterson, Viv Richards, if you get it up there straight and full early on, there's a chance they could hit across it and miss it. You talked about World Cups in, in India and we were talking about sweeping, reverse sweeping, uh, Graham. Mm. What, what, was your, what was the thought that went through your mind when Gat did the reverse sweep in the 1987 World Cup final was caught a slip of Alan Border. Look, I, I, you know, we, we all make plenty of mistakes when we play and take the wrong choices. Um, I, I think the only reflection I would have is that we were at that stage in a strong position. Okay, he was playing particularly well. We were in a good position to to go on, and Alan Border, who I obviously played with um, the year before he came to Essex and was very successful and obviously knew him from playing against Australia. 
how would you describe his bowling? Um, sort of canny, you know, he, he was more than just a part-time bowler. You know, he's a bit better than a part-time bowler. You know, and on, the, on those wickets, you know, he, he was a handy, um, you know, opponent. My only reflection is that why would you play the reverse sweep very first ball to a, a bowler who's, who's just come on, okay? Um, it's a bit old-fashioned, isn't it? You know, have a look at the bowler first. Have a look at, see what he does, you know, what he's doing with it, you know, maybe knock a few singles before you make those decisions. Mm. You know, it's quite a high-risk shot when you, you haven't got a clue where the ball's going. I mean, that, I mean, I don't remember the field, but I assume probably the man was square on the wicket and not short third man. So he maybe thought there was good value there. Yeah. We all saw, of course, what, you know, what the World Cup did in England last, uh, well, not last year, the year before now, 2019. The first, you know, England team to win a World Cup. Do you, do you sort of look back on that, actually that moment possibly in a way, because you, you were sort of winning the game really, as sort of like one of the, perhaps the biggest regrets in your career? Is that, is that how you feel about it? I, I don't really have any regrets apart from, yeah, look, in 79 when we got annihilated by the West Indies uh, in the final, and, and I was really pleased in 2019 we won it because I was the only player to play in the three finals and lost all three. So I was really happy we got over the line. So thanks very much to Graham Gooch for the time and extensive detail he went into, into the art of batsmanship. And our next guests in the Virtual Cricket Club are this Thursday, Heather Knight and Tammy Beaumont, a women's cricket special at 7pm on Thursday the 28th of January. I hope you can join us for that. You can join us by going to worldsbestcricketclub.com worldsbestcricketclub.com it's £6 a month to join but you do get four live events for that £6 of course the money goes to the Professional Cricketers Trust and also it includes the February the 4th appearance by Sir Ian Botham as well so please sign up for that and join us and we'll be playing the best bits of those interviews on this podcast coming up at the weekend in the meantime enjoy that tremendous win by England and thanks for listening Sports Social Podcast Network.